Coach. Chris, how's it going? Welcome to Step to the Podcast. Yeah, going well. How about yourself? Well, it feels like forever since we last recorded. It does. Uh, we can thank the tornado that is my two-year-old, my five-month-old, uh, the big arthritic deaf dog, and the little, oh. and the little uh, sweet blind dog. Oh, God. <laughs> so uh, we took her to the vet today. It looks like we're going to go ahead and um, – and do a procedure that can save some eyesight for her. Um, it's all about, you know, to me, it's all, I was telling, uh, telling my wife, I'm like, I mean, we've had her for a long time. She is old, but we're going to do it this time. And, um, you know, because it's all about regret and, and, uh, or living with no regret at this point. And I don't want my wife to live with any regret about what, if she could have done more for Gracie. So right. we're, it looks like we're going to do it this one time. And uh, if things don't get better, um, we're just going to let nature take its course. So, um, so fingers crossed. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, I, I've actually seen dogs with like one eye, actually. And they don't really, I mean, I don't know. I guess, the, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's one eye, we can do that. And I've, you yeah. know, I've got a friend that's had a blind cocker spaniel now for, gosh, it seems like five years. Um, but, uh, um, you know, that, that dog is, is doing pretty well. So, yeah. I mean, they seem um, happy, I guess. Yeah. That's so I told my wife, I said, um, you know, you deserve to, you deserve to, um, um, you know, do this on your own terms. So, uh, hopefully we can, uh, hopefully we get to keep Gracie for another, um, you know, for another couple of years, at least we'll see. So, oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I'm glad anyway. the connection's good right now. He's a bit worried. Uh, with the weather. Has, it, has, has it started storming yet? It poured down rain over here. I haven't heard any thunder or anything. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the other thing is that our uh, Gracie, the little dog, the blind dog, um, she's scared of thunderstorms. So I can only imagine what tonight's going to sound like with a blind yeah, dog being scared of thunderstorms. Yeah, it's about that time of year, though, where they start kicking in. So we'll see. So right. we'll see. But tonight, uh, I'm really excited. We're going to have um, <clears throat> Director of Coaching from Mockingbird Valley Premier, Mike Dickey, on. He's got a lot of other titles as well. I'm going to let him share those. Um, but I'm, uh, you know, having him on tonight's a big deal. Number one, because he's a really busy guy. He's always out at the fields working with coaches and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really, really dedicated to, um, you know, uh, definitely our club, but, you know, to the overall soccer scene as well. I think he, um, I think um, he and I share a lot of the same values, and um, you know he's definitely one of the reasons I'm excited to be part of Mockingbird. So he's going to be great. jumping on. He's going to be jumping on here in just a minute. Um, yeah, he's not asleep, and, is he? No, 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 no. He just he just got home, dude. He's been out the fields. Uh, he just got home 20 minutes ago from the fields. Wow. So um, yeah, he's he well, stays we, after. You better be sure to thank him tonight. I know it's a long day. Come on and, and talk yeah. to us. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So this is a big deal for us to have Mike on. Uh, one thing I do enjoy about Mike is that if you sit down and have a, I mean, it could be a 15 minute conversation with them about soccer. You're going to walk away having learned something new. Um, it's just, it's just, he's just one of those cool, you know, it, that's something that I would like to strive to be, uh, you know, one of these days, um, or at least that I hope that I am sometimes, but uh, oh, he's yeah, definitely, definitely. He, He's definitely one of those coaches that you talk to for 10, 15 minutes or even less, and you walk away being like, man, I just learned two or three new things there. Huh. So it's a, um, um, that's, a, that's a big deal. So he'll be jumping on here in just a minute. Um, uh, Want to go ahead and give an update on uh, step, to the, step to the Ball Soccer Training. We'll be uh, – Rocking and rolling next week on spring break. Um, awesome. We've uh, going to stay pretty busy. Maybe not as busy as I'd like, but, you know, I was sitting around thinking about it the other day. It's like, you know, this is a side job for me. Um, my primary roles, you know, outside of, you know, the house are to, you know, be a good husband, take care of the kids and everything. Then I'm a teacher. Um, then I'm a coach at Mockingbird. And this is, you know, uh, step to the ball is like third or fourth down the list. Um, so, uh, you know, on one hand I was stressing and I was like, man, I'm not getting enough kids, but at the same time, which I've got plenty. I think I'm working with, I think I'm working with like 10 kids next week. 
um, which is plenty. But at the same time, I was sitting there thinking, I'm just not, I'm not getting enough kids, man. It's driving me crazy. Hmm. I'm taking, taking a step back and saying, hey, you're busy enough. Uh, less is more here. Focus on, you know, do a good job with these with these 10 kids that you're going to be working with next week. And then, um, you know, and then gear up for this summer. Because this summer, uh, me finding uh, being busy this summer will not be an issue. Mike, how's it going? Welcome to Step to the Podcast. Mike. Hey, hey, Jay, how are you? I'm doing okay, doing okay. Uh, Mike, this is uh, uh, or also on the call is uh, Chris Manningly. Uh, he's uh, the trainer. Uh, or not, uh, Chris? What's your? I'm sorry, not the trainer. Um, Chris, what's your role at, at Spalding right now uh, with the soccer program and everything else? Uh, right now, it's just checking people in at the gate for games and just making sure people are following COVID procedures. Uh, I also work for athletic communications uh, at Spalding, uh, so whenever they need something, you know, write a recap or someone to help out at the gate, they'll let me know. So. So, Mike, uh, Chris is uh, an aspiring sports journalist. So, um, we thought uh, having him on, having him host the podcast with me, would be a little bit of a good experience for him. Maybe even turn out to be an assignment for him one of these days. So, um, so we're excited to have him on. Uh, I'm assuming you were uh, were you out at the fields tonight? Yeah, we had training at the club, Mockingbird. Um, okay, we were training tonight, just kind of watching the weather with the possible forecast of tornadoes but we were able to get training in so it was a good night great 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 and uh you're working with an uh an 06 uh girls team is that correct one of the teams in our club the 2006 girls gold team uh i I coach i i've taken ownership of that team and i also had the uh the the other team it was the trap team that was in the fall gotcha this, this past year Gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, do you all uh, when have you all participated in any tournaments yet, or is that coming up in April? We've been uh, because of their age; they're now more in a showcase gotcha. format. Okay. So, uh, the majority of the girls are in ninth grade, so they're in high school. Um, okay. so they're starting to go into the showcase format. So, we've been into a couple events. Uh, okay. Now that we've participated in, so it's been been good. You know, they they're getting that the the looks now at an early age, and we still have a couple more that we're going to participate in before we get into the state championships. Great, great, Mike. One of the things that we talk about here on the podcast, and I've said the, these two these two terms ad nauseum, has been experience and exposure. Anything that gets kids experience and exposure is a good thing. So showcases, tournaments, you know, whatever we can do to. Um, get kids out there to be seen, get, have eyeballs put on them. That's a, you know, that's, that's, that's a plus. So that sounds like that's what's going on there. Good deal. So, um, all right. Well, Chris, um, Chris is going to, Mike, uh, Chris is going to throw the questions at you. Um, he's got them in front of him. So Chris, why don't you go ahead and, uh, fire away with the first one? Okay. Yeah. Just something basic. I mean, just kind of tell, you know, your soccer experience and, you know, basically who you are in the soccer world, I guess, and how you ended up at, Mockingbirds, give us a, a timeline of your soccer journey. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. It's a it's a big timeline. Um, <laughs> I, I I've been at the club since uh, Wayne Estopinos hired me back in 2012 um, to to be a technical director for the club, and I I've been doing I've been working with our soccer clubs since that time, minus one year because one year I took a sabbatical and went over to uh, the the country of Jordan, I coached their women's national team to help them uh, potentially qualify for the finals of the World Cup. Uh, wow. so, so I did that. Wow. Um, uh, previous to that, um, uh, the reason I'm li- we're living in Kentucky right now is because uh, U.S. soccer hired me back in 2005 to be a national staff coach, which is a, a coach educator slash uh, national team coach. So I, I had that role from 2005 till 2011. Um, and they, they asked me to move to Kentucky because they wanted me to be in the Midwest and use this as one of my points of uh, being able to scout and evaluate players. So, um, yeah, uh, dating all the way back, um, 30 years plus of coaching. I started out as a high school coach uh, when I was still playing in Germany. 
and uh, and I migrated from being a you know a club or a, a high school coach to working with uh, youth clubs to working with a, a men's team that was working for the United States Army, um, and eventually founded the Olympic Development Program for Americans that lived in Europe. Wow! Um, so okay. I did that, um, and then when my playing career was gone and there was no possibility for me to play anymore um my attention was of, of, of of course fully focused on the on on soccer as a coach and uh i wound up getting an opportunity to move back to the united states where i was born and um and and i i lived in delaware for nine years and worked on uh for initially for you know a, a usl pro team the delaware wizards uh, went over to be an assistant coach with the uh, Hershey Wildcats in the A League, which was, uh, you know, very equivalent to what you know our Louisville City team is playing in right now. Mm-hmm. And right. Um, worked with the ODP program there, ran a youth club, uh, coach club teams, uh, and then also got involved with a, a college NAIA uh, men's team for a number of years, and also in Wilmington, Delaware. So it's been a, it's been a, you know, it's real vast. I mean, as far as the number of things I've done, I've coached pro indoor here in Louisville. I've coached our youth national teams. I've, I've coached four, uh, I've coached in four countries and I've coached three national teams. And, wow. and, uh, and I, um, I'm still involved with our USU soccer national team program, um, as a head coach and, um, and I'm scouting uh, currently for U.S. soccer, and and I'm teaching the all the courses that are uh, provided by the United States Soccer Federation. And right now, my focus is the the A youth course and then the uh, B license. So I'm 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 in a couple courses right now, which um, are all done remotely, which is quite a task. Yeah, that sounds like it. Wow. Okay, that that's a lot that you just throughout there <laughs> let me think here um i mean do you have any stories from any of your you know coaching journeys you'd like to share maybe in other countries or well just um, about you know, soccer yeah there? there's a couple stories i mean uh when when i was offered the prince ali uh offered me the job to coach in jordan and that was it was just a random thing that happened um i was recommended by sunil galati who was the president of u.s soccer at the time and so um, I, when he offered me the job over the phone, when I was down in Miami, I, I told him, well, first of all, you know, I, I, you know, I, I know geography pretty well, but I, you know, I, I haven't really spent a lot of time looking at some of the countries in the Middle East. So um, if, if you'd like, if you're interested in me as a coach, I, I need to, I need to go there. So, so they flew me out and, you know, I flew out to Jordan and spent some, a few days out there, you know, getting to see the team and, meet some of the key players, including the Prince. And, and, uh, you know, uh, it was just, it was a complete, you know, it wasn't, I don't know if it was a culture shock as much as it was. It was just a a part of the world that I'd never been exposed to. And, and uh, they were trying to grow their women's game. They'd only started playing soccer, you know, with their women's national team back in uh, uh, 2005. So they hadn't been around that long. So they had a lot to do, but, it was, it looked like a really good project and, and, uh, and something that I was passionate about. So I accepted the job and it was just, you know, I don't know how many people know a Prince, but I mean, I do. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, a Prince, know a Prince wow. so it's pretty cool. And he, he's a really terrific guy. And, um, uh, he, he's a real passionate about the, growing the women's game in the world. And, and he was the guy that actually ran for the FIFA president and finished second, but, Great, great guy, and uh, you know, I'm, I was real happy he gave me an opportunity. So that's just one story that, uh, out of many, as you can imagine, when you've been doing some of the soccer stuff for a long time. Well, Mike, I'm going to throw one at you here real quick. Um, uh, being that you've been over in that part of the world, did you ever, with with the World Cup coming to Qatar, I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, um, when are we playing that? Is it going to be in December? Should be. Should in be. 20- should be this winter this yeah. winter okay that's, that's, um and, and, I, and I i don't know some people call it cutter I, I call it qatar that's what i've always thought it was qatar and i heard it pronounced cutter um have you have you ever been into that country before did you ever travel into there no but um we did fly into some of the 
you know, the major airports in that uh, part of the world. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So I haven't been in okay. it, but I do, I do know the climate and it's, it's, yeah. really, it's pretty smart that they're going to do that in the winter because it would be absolutely impossible to play a world cup that in, in the summertime in Qatar, e- even, okay. even in the indoor, even though that they're supposedly playing it indoors, um, right. you know, the people, the fans that, you know, the supposed spectators that would go would it be outside and it would be, it would be, uh, unbelievably disgustingly hot, you know, like we're talking 130 degrees plus temperature. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. So it's dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. That, that, yeah, dangerous, and it's just you know you got to you got to take care of your players as well. Yeah. So I'm glad. Well, it makes me feel better that they're doing it in the winter. Then I knew that I thought that that was the case, but I didn't know officially. Mm-hmm. So good deal, good deal. All right, Chris, go ahead and fire another one at him. Okay, um, you know who's been kind of, I guess, like some of your mentors, and and what's been like your like soccer philosophy, and has it like changed coming from you know overseas mm-hmm. and and uh, to America. Yeah, it's a, it's evolved, you know, over time. You know, my dad was a coach. You know, he wasn't a soccer coach, but he was a he was a very good baseball player, and you know, he played, you know, in college at University of Oregon, and and then uh, then he also had chance to be a semi pro player for a while. Um, wasn't a good enough hitter, so he never made it to the big leagues, but um, good player, and eventually, you know, he was an educator. So a lot of what I, what I am is because of him and my mom and you know, how they educate people. But, um, you know, he was when I, uh, my first sport was baseball. That's what, I, you know, cause he was a baseball player. So of course I had to play that. And so he was my coach. And so, you know, I, I, I naturally started to take those, some of his mannerisms, his thought processes along the way for coaching that. And then, you know, he played a lot of different sports growing up. So, you know, even if we were out playing uh, pickup basketball or whatever, there was always a lot of technical emphasis on, you know, how to do a layup or how to dribble or, you know, use your body to protect the ball and all that. So there's a lot of things that he instilled in me at an early age that even to this day, when I teach uh, soccer, when I coach soccer, I, I, you know, I, I go to, you know, some of his foundations and the things that he said, even though it was related to a different sport. So he was a big one. Um, he was the number one. Um, Jay Hoffman, a, a guy that's uh, one of the main, main guys in our education department now in U.S. soccer, um, coached our U-20 women or men's national team. And then he coached the he was an assistant with our senior women's national team. And he's done, you know, tremendous, you know, a number of different jobs throughout the United States. He, he's been an instrumental guy. And in the reason why I'm where I'm at today. Uh, is 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 uh, probably a lot to do with him, and there's so many different guys with you know whether people I coached with in college or uh, you know people that I worked with with U.S. soccer, um, you know, uh, coaching in the regional teams that I've coached, and then and I, I would say that every coach that works with us at Mockingbird and. And all the coaches that I teach in the courses, they, they also influence how I coach because I feed off of their energy and their knowledge and their experiences. So, so even though I teach them, I, they teach me too. So it's kind of reciprocal. So a lot, a lot, a lot of really cool people along the way have, uh, have pushed me along that, that have helped me. It's just not one. It's, it's multiple people. And the other question, Chris, was okay. what about my philosophy? Is that right? Right. Yeah. So philosophically, um, you know, I, I'm kind of a mix. So, you know, I'm player centric at times, but I'm also kind of more direct as well. So I have a, I have a mix. So I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm concerned about you as an individual and helping you grow as an individual and connecting with you as an individual. But I'm also, you know, because I'm competitive, I also want to make sure that you know, we are driving as a team and we're all doing this with our the, the best energy that we can. So and if you don't, then I'm, I'm then I would push you. So philosophically, it's kind of a balance between player centric and then, you know, more of a direct style. Um, you know, we we at the club, we have a, you know, a style of play model that we all use. So there's certain things that are instilled in that style of play that I've had an influence in some of my opinions and ideas. You know, I'm I'm a I'm philosophically i you know uh you know i i believe in you know players 
really being good technically. I mean, I, I want them to know how to run with the ball, how to pass the ball effectively, uh, protect the ball uh, when they when somebody else is trying to take it from, how to get it off of people, um, and then also know when and where to do that in a in a in a game. So combination of between to, to between being really highly technical and also tactically knowing where to apply those those specific techniques when they play. That's a, gotcha. good way. That's a good, great, that's a great way of thinking about that. Mike, uh, I want to ask, um, as far as, you know, we talked about, you, you talked about your mentors and everything. What would your thoughts be on setting up? I don't know if other clubs do this or not, but what would your thoughts be if Mockingbird were to have like coaching mentors? I know you as the DOC, that's kind of your job over everybody, but, um, you can only be in one place right. at one time. So what, what would your thoughts be about, um, you know, more veteran coaches working with the younger ones as sort of a mentor? Role? Yeah. And you, and uh, is, yeah. That, is that something that's ever been explored? Yeah. And you yeah. see it, Jay, to a certain degree within it. You know, you have, uh, mm-hmm. like, I think of Mark Benitez, and he's working with Jacob Teasley sure. in the 04 and 05 age group. Jacob was a player that played for our club. And right now, you know, um, he's working – in combination with Mark, who was a veteran coach, you know, at the high school and the club level, and he played at Bellarmine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's that's going on. Um, you know, Steve Cunningham on uh, the girls' side is working with an 05 age group, you know, the, the white and the gold team. And he has a guy by the right. name of Kevin Aka, who's new to the club. Okay. You know, he was working under me as a mentor last year. I was his mentor last year with those six girls. And okay. now he's he's – in addition to what he's doing with our 08 girls, he's working underneath uh, Steve uh, and Steve's mentoring him in the 05. So we have it to a certain degree. Um, should it be more fo- formalized? Yeah, probably. But I also, you know, I've seen some of the work you've done, Jay, where you're starting to reach out to some of these smaller clubs and, you know, that have less um, less experienced coaches perhaps and it's not as organized. And, right. you know, there's got to be more guys like yourself and others that, or, you know, even though it's time consuming and takes time away from your family, can you go out and, you know, spend time and mentor other smaller youth clubs, uh, YMCA mm-hmm. programs, boys clubs, girls clubs, whatever it may be, and, and spend time with them? You know, I think I think that right. I think you have to do that. I mean, I think that's important. It's 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 good for you as a coach to mentor other people. It's um, it's good for these coaches that, you know, they need ideas on how to how to grow the game and make players better. Um, but ultimately, too, you know, if we do a good job of having that outreach, then then the players that are looking from to go from one spot to the other to maybe, a, you know, a, a club that's just more for fun and and, you know, not not, right. not serious, but not as serious, perhaps as far as player development, then then the, you can say, hey, well, listen, when this kid is ready, this boy or girl, then, you know, maybe maybe it's time for them to move on to a, to a more advanced right. club, you know, where we can help them prepare potentially to be the best high school player in this, in the state or the States, um, or we're going to play collegiately. Okay. Yeah. That's something, you know, that, you know, with what I'm trying to do right now with uh, my step to the ball business is, yeah, I mean, I want to go to, you know, I, I feel like it, I feel very, I feel very strongly about soccer developing in our urban mm-hmm. areas where kids aren't getting as much yeah. exposure and in our rural areas yeah. as well. And um, I'm hitting both this summer and I'm really excited about it. And one, you know, at the same time, I don't want to sound like the heavy, like when I was out at Henry County and I did the coaches clinic out there mm-hmm. for their group, uh, you know, I told him, I said, um, you know, I'll be back in, I'll be back in a few weeks, to watch my nephews play. And I said it, in a, I didn't mean it to say it in the tone mm-hmm. that I did, but I, we had talked about the, you know, the ways in which we need to teach our kids to play and everything. And um, I mean, they've, everybody's got some work to do and everything. Um, because yeah, not everybody's as experienced that you, you've got parents out there that are, that signed up to coach and, and everything. Um, you know, I made sure to explain to everybody, Hey, you know, I want to help you guys, you know, keep your kids cause it's a small talent pool. They're sharing kids with basketball and baseball or volleyball cheerleading. And I so, said, you know, I want to help you guys keep kids, uh, keep kids playing mm-hmm. soccer um, past 12 years old and not, you know, decide to commit over to basketball or, or, or whatever other sports. So that's what I'm trying to do with all this. And, um, yeah, so that, 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's that good. I sense. mean, I've done that, Jay. So. I mean, I've, I, there's been a couple of clubs that I've reached out to and done some work with just, uh, you know, for no, no compensation. I just do it because, you know, I'm interested right. in growing the game and helping others because I, I can understand, you know, their, their pain, mm-hmm. you know, if they, they, they sign up, they raise their hand to be a volunteer coach, but they've got no ammunition. You know, they don't know what to right. do. They, you know, they want the kids, they, they, they have a shirt that says coach on it, but they've got no tools to, you know, to really be able to say, okay, this, how can I make this fun? You know, how can I actually right. give them some things that they can do for their age and make it an experience that they, they want to come to practice every week and they want to go to games and they want to sign up next year. How do they, how do they do that? You know, so, so you, we, we have yeah. a, we have a responsibility uh, as experienced coaches to provide that for those that don't have the experience um, that that's critical. We have to do it. We can't be that selfish or that arrogant that we go, well, I've got my, my club team or my high school team and I'm, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to help you. Right. Um, you know, if your kid is really good, they'll just wind up being really good, but that's, that's false. You know, we, they, they there's a potential, there's a, there's a small timeline, a loop a loophole where you can, you can really work and help improve players grow and become really good. If you miss that, that window, um, they're going to, they're going to miss it and they're either going to not, they're going to play another sport or they won't play at all. And they'll find some other avenue for right. some recreational habit that they'll pick up that will occupy their time. And we'll, we'll, we'll miss the next great uh, Christian Pulisic, you know, uh, you know, or right. Lindsay Horan because of that. Yeah. The one conversation, you know, out of all the conversations I've had with a lot of these different organizations and um, the most common response I've gotten has been, well, we can't afford that. I'll, I'll ask them, you know, are y'all, do y'all normally go to any tournaments? Do y'all, do y'all travel, you know, do any inter-county, inter-association matches or anything like that? And that's usually the same response. And so, I'm, yeah, Mike, I'm like you. I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm at Mockingbird now, so I've got the platform. Um, that logo means a lot, even outside of Louisville. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking, I can go and, and work with these communities and everything. And just, you know, if coaches are interested in going to get their D license, point them in the right direction, um, you know, show them, hey, don't do anything, don't do things in a straight line. Let's go at an angle. That's something I learned from you this fall or the, over the course of this past year. So um, it's, um, uh, I've, yeah, I feel like there's an easy opportunity to do it. And just not, not enough people are, are yeah, willing to do and it. Yeah, and so, it's sad because, um, you know, it's, you know we, we need to go out and help out. We need to be more inclusive and we need to go to them and not ask them to come to us, you know, and, you know, and, right. and spend time and, 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 and listen and, you know, and uh, ask questions you know, about what we can do. Those mm-hmm. are all part, those are our responsibilities. I think if you want to, if you want the game to grow and improve and you certainly, you know, Kentucky and Indiana, they're, you know, they, they are sports is sports states. I mean, they're, they're really, they love sport. You know, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we've got a big, huge base of kids that are playing soccer, but there could be even more. And, um, you know, you, you just have to have that, you know, go after that and talk to all the different parts of our communities, you know, the the small the small counties and, you know, areas which are underserved, you know, and I know our, our state association right. tries to serve them, but, you know, they can't be everywhere, you know, so, but but we can be in more right. places than we are. That that's and and sometimes right. we don't do it because it's inconvenient or it may, maybe maybe we think it's beneath us. I don't know. I don't know what the, the thought process is. I don't know, but certainly not for me. Absolutely not. I'm. I love to mm-hmm. work with any level of coach and any level of kid, providing they, they you know they want to be there. If they don't want to be there, I right, don't really want right. to work with them. To be honest, if they want to be there. I want to help them. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think every I think every community in this uh, in this state has kids mm-hmm. that want to be there. Um, they're just looking for they're just looking for a set of eyeballs to to notice them, and again, experience and exposure. So, absolutely. Well, Chris, go ahead and fire another one at Mike. Yeah, I was just going to ask you: uh, Have you been involved at all with like racing Louisville, like helping them get talent? Uh, with racing or um, Louisville City? Are you talking about the youth club, Chris? 
Uh, yeah, that or the well, I mean, I guess the protein. I guess yeah, I mean, do that for the youth. Hack and I, John Hackworth and I, have known each other for a really long time. We worked for the federation together, so I've known him. Um, I know his assistant coach uh, Scott Budnick, as well as a personal friend of mine. We worked together with the Louisville Lightning, so and we're good friends. And you know, he's a super guy, and 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 I I, lo- I love Hack as well. So those guys are all guys that I I stay connected with. I just I don't have a lot of personal time <laughs> and COVID doesn't help with the social interactions either. So I stay home a right. lot. Um, but uh, the regard regarding the youth teams, you know, we've had, you know, of course, you know, we've had some good players from our club that have many of them that have gone over there to play this year uh, on the boys right. and the girls side and a, and a few good coaches as well. So you got a, you got a mix there. So um so the, the, those are people that I still stay in contact with. I still hear from some of the kids and, and so on. Okay. Um, but uh, from a evaluation standpoint, because of my job with U.S. Soccer, I scout. Uh, just most recently, I was, again, I was over at the complex to watch one of the age groups for U.S. Soccer just to, because they were playing against the Cleveland Internationals. So Cleveland was in town and, you know, I watched a game at 9 a.m there at the complex. So I was able to, to watch a little bit. So yeah, I'm still involved. Not like I was in the past when some of those guys and the players work for us, but you know, as much as I can, because my primary focus is obviously with Mockingbird and making sure our kids are, are and our coaches are getting what they need from, from me. Right. Uh, could, could you kind of explain, I know you are doing like, is it, MLS Next is that the title? Yeah, MLS Next is a uh, is a league, which is uh, falls under the Major League Soccer umbrella. It's on the guy side, and uh, right, no marking. Yeah, yeah. So what's uh, happened is Javanon was accepted into the to this MLS Next, Um, and they also have a very strong relationship with the the pro team in Cincinnati. Uh, because they're the closest MLS team in, you know, to, to Louisville. So uh, with that being said, uh, Javanon got in um, and then they approached us and uh, Chivas and United and said, Hey, one, a couple other clubs too, but we, you know, we were the other clubs that said, yeah, that, that would be fun to, to collaborate and try to identify the best players that we have to participate in that in that platform. So that's what kind of where we're at. Um, and basically the MLS next is, you know, of course you'll see some, some, uh, youth teams from, from the MLS, from MLS teams, and then also other clubs that are historically have been top level clubs, clubs in the United States participate in it. So, and that's why Javanon got the nod because they, they've had a great track record on the guy's side of, you know, winning and, and, you know, getting a few guys on the pros and so on. So, so they got in, but then, you know, Mockingbird and Javanon are clubs that have been around for a really long time. And so we wanted to work together. Um, and then also um, the other group Chivas is, you know, what Hector is doing with his guys is, I mean, I really like the, I really like their style of play and the way that he teaches his kids. And it's pretty cool to watch, you know, watch some of the kids that he does and they're not very big, but the quality of the kids that they have are, are, are pretty unique and special. So, so, and, and then United, of course, was a club that over the years has been really one of the stronger youth clubs in, in the state of Kentucky. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing to see, you know, how much the sport has grown here in, in mm-hmm. Louisville, especially, uh, I don't know, it just seems like, you know, 15 years ago, it what nearly as big as it is now. It's just, it's great to see that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also enjoying following along with uh, Metro Louisville FC. I don't know if you've seen. I, I haven't, and I, and I really want to because Cornell uh, is playing for him, and Cornell is one of our guys. He played in our club, and, you know, I really love Cornell. He's, he's a great guy and, a, and he's a good player. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm a fan. You know, he's a guy I remember started with us on the second team, and then he went to the first team, and, you know, and he just came on onto us late, but it's just been fun to watch, and then he had a good, uh, very good, collegiate career at Spalding and you know and it's just fun to see it's fun to see our guys and girls you know continue to be able to play 
you know, I think about Amina Ekic, who's over at uh, racing now. And I mean, I remember the first day I saw her play as at 14 years old and I got her on my regional team, you know, in, in the Midwest and just kind of watching her take off. It's been great. So watching into one of the reasons why we coach is because um, it, we're competitive. Naturally, we like to win. We like to help players learn how to win. Um, and, uh, but the other, the most important thing, at least for me, and I don't know about for Jay, but it's just when I see play, former players of mine, you know, excel uh, in the game or still be involved in the game, even when they're in their forties, I had a call from a, one of my former players the other day, and I, he's got to be in his forties now, but um, you know, he's still, he's a director of coaching in West Virginia and he's looking to make the next jump into the pros and, you know, as a coach and, you know, and he's, he's still at it and he's still developing players and he's just as passionate now as a coach as he was as a player. So when I look at that, I go, you know, I won, you know, whatever I did, no matter what happens, I, I won because I got people that I've coached that are, that are making a difference. That's one thing I've known. And I, you know, I don't, uh, I haven't been doing it long enough to have anybody. Um, you know, I've got kids, I've got kids that I coach that are now parents and they've got their kids playing, um, which tells me that they had a good experience. So I hope I had something to do with that. Um, but on the flip side, you mentioned Cornell and Jacob uh, Teasley. Yeah. Uh, I owe one of my regional championship yeah. losses to them. <laughs> <laughs> so they came out of they, in 2015. Now Jacob, Jacob had been a good player at Fern Creek pretty much his whole time there. Um, but uh, yeah. Cornell came out of nowhere on us um at the end of 2015 and we just you know we uh, we finally found somebody that that could expose us yeah. and uh he did it um just a, yeah and he uh, just a great you know, score Jay, he was, i mean uh, just you know when he started like i said in the club he didn't have a lot of experience he was he was on our second team and you know he had a lot of holes in his game mm-hmm. you know and uh so yeah. I, I think the the club experience you know, getting coached well, playing against good competition, you know, the demands and expectations there, you know, made him a more disciplined guy, you know, as a player. And, you know, as right. a result, you know, that's why he was able to, you know, make, you know, go from being a high school standout to a collegiate standout. And now he's playing in the pro indoor uh, circuit, you know, as a pro player. So that's, you know, it's, those right. are, those are, you know, the different things that we look at as coaches and we go, you know what? That's I, I'm doing the right thing. I, I made the right decision to choose this profession. Yeah, that's a success story, yeah. no doubt. And, and I think no about doubt. you know, like a guy, right. like, you know, when I every time I wa- I watch Christian Pulisic a lot because I I found him when he was ten years old, right here in Kentucky. Is uh, really you know his dad okay. is a friend of mine. His godfather is one of my best friends, Bob Lilly, and. Uh, Bob, Bob came to visit me and yeah. he said, Hey, you know, you want to see my godson play? I go, Oh, you know, and I go, well, he's, he goes, he's 10 years old. He's really a great player. He's going to be really good. I go, okay. So we go out to Oldham County and we watch a tournament and then there's this little 10 year old playing up with the U 12s and he's buzzing around and making plays like, like he makes now. Uh, and still the same aggravation when, you know, a play breaks down and he had that same mentality and, and uh, that was Christian. You know, so I saw him right. there. And then, you know, a few years later, when I was still working full time for U.S. soccer, I got him into my one of my my training centers. And then I got him into the U14 national team camp. And then and then he was off, you know. Yeah. So wow. is he from? No, no. Christian's really from Hershey, Pennsylvania. But his dad was okay. coaching the pro indoor team. I think it was called the Detroit Ignition, uh, you know, in Detroit. And and uh, so. Christian was playing for the Michigan Rush, and they came down to uh, Kentucky to play in a maybe a spring tournament, I believe, and they played at Oldham County at their place. Wow. And I remember the field exact. I can remember exactly where I was standing and where I was watching and watching this little ten year old going, "Yeah, he's great," you know. And, you know, I've seen a lot of great ten year olds, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what they all and, say. Uh, you know, this guy just kept getting better, and this, he had a certain fire about him that was different. You know, he did. He hated losing. He was super competitive, and um, you know, and his dad, of course, was a really his dad was a pro indoor player that was very good at, at with the in Harrisburg, and he played together with Bob Lilly. That's how 
they know each other forever. So, you know, so it, it's just great. And then I saw Christian two years ago when I was coaching the 2003 ODP team from Kentucky. We went to Dortmund in Germany to play, and um, we were in the air, we were in the airport, and uh, I see this guy walking around with jeans and a baseball cap, and I knew it was Christian, so I went up to him and started talking to him. And, uh, and then, oh, fortunately, we were able to see him at halftime at, at the game that he was not playing in because he had a slight injury. And uh, and then all the boys and the girls that were there got a chance to get his autograph and talk to him. And, you know, so it was it was pretty cool, fun fun yeah. times. A little a lot of lot of stories, you know. You do this, do this. Yeah, I, I haven't watched Chelsea play in a, a bit, but hopefully they're starting him now. I know they were. He was coming in later. I think in the game. he played the last three games, and then I watched him. I watched him play this. This afternoon, you know, he started. He played and started and played the whole first half of for the men when they played Jamaica. So it was good. Good to see him out there. He's still. He's good. Awesome. He's still dangerous. And but you know, there's a lot of you know we got a lot of talent on that senior men's team right now. I don't know if you saw the game today, but it was uh, it was fun to watch. No, no, I didn't see. I, I know there was a game on about an hour ago on Fox. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I was playing. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of games going on right now. The men played at one today, and yeah. and then right after Germany played Iceland, and and then uh, I don't the, right, the I, Olympic team played last night against Mexico. No, I think they have a, they have a game on they have a game on Sunday, which the game on Sunday for the men's Olympic team. If they win that game, then they're going to the Olympics for the first time since 2008. So that's a big that's that's, that's, God, a big that's hard to believe. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's a huge deal. That's so hard. To, that's so hard to believe. Uh, Mike, you mentioned, uh, you know, one of the things you noticed about Christian was just how much he hated to lose. How much does that factor into when you're evaluating talent and everything? How much does that competitive nature, what do you need to see out of a kid to say, you know what, they've got the competitive nature too. What, what do you need to see out of them in well, order to be able to say that? You can see it by their body language. You can see it by their effort. What's their reaction? You know, the ball turns over. What do okay. they do? When their team wins the ball, what do they do? When they have the ball, what do they do? You know, um, you know, and of course they have to manage any type of frustration as well. So it's not enough just to be upset about it. But you know, if you're upset about something, what are you going to do about it? You know, and so you know, part yeah. of watching a game is watching not just the guy on the ball, but what's what are the guys without the ball doing? What's what what's that look like? You know, and then how, yeah. how are they interacting? Are they blaming others? Or are they? They taking it upon themselves, you know, and saying, "Hey, listen, I, I can't control what you do, but I can control what I do, and I'm just gonna m- put my effort in the best right. I can." So, you can see it. There's a fire in the eyes. It's a, it's a concentration that's there. That's okay. Not always there with all, all most. You know, mo- I always say most people, you don't have that. You're unique if you have that hundred. You know, all the way through you. It's a, it's a special, yeah. uh, special yeah, talent. We- to be like that. I don't, you know, that's something that concerns me. Uh, you know, I always, I always, when I was coming up, I always tended to put myself in that camp that, I, you know, I hated to lose. And you could tell watching me play, I've always told my players. And now since I've started at Mockingbird, I, I even have the kids, you know, they come out. I mean, kids yeah. come out in moods, right? And sometimes they, um, whether it's school and then we've had everything going on over the last year, kids come out in moods and, you know, before we take the field to say, all right, let's get our body language, right? So do something with some body language. Show me some winning body language. What do y'all think that looks like? And I tell them like, you know, people are watching you. There are other, you know, there, there are number one, the gold coaches might be out here watching you guys. Um, one day they're going to be high school or college coaches out, out here watching. They spot the kid. You're right. They, they spot the kids that, you know, no, number one are, are effective players, but second, um, you know, want to win and want to win worse more than anybody else on the field. So, um, you know, that's something that um, that's something that um, you know we we need to. We're not. I, I just don't see it enough in in all of our players as a whole. Well, some of it, Jay, everywhere you just, go. I mean, kids just you know, and I, we're, we're talking about this at the club too. Just our use of film, you know. That there, I think we're at a position right now where we need to right. start to buy cameras. So we're we start to film not just the guys in their games, but also in their training. And then you, as a coach, can use as a tool mm-hmm. to say, okay, well, listen, this is this is what I see. 
<laughs> okay? I, I'm watching you guys. And right. This is what I see. You tell me what, what this looks like. Does this look like you care? Does this look like you are putting effort in? Um, this is your body language without the ball. This is your body language when somebody gives you the ball. You know, so, you know, these are the things, because I think a lot of these kids don't, they don't see um, the way they behave. You know, they don't, they don't see the, the nonverbal right. yeah. stuff that's going on. And that this is a good tool. And it's also a great tool for you as a coach, too, because now you can see, okay, how, how effective am I when I'm coaching? Is anybody listening? <laughs> okay. Or am I just talking all the time and there's not, I'm not even giving them a chance to play. So, so I think this, this video piece is a, is a big tool. Yeah. And I, we're at the, we're at the point right now at, with our club, you know, at Mockingbird where we're going to, we're going to start to, uh, we're going to look to purchase that stuff so we can do an even better job as far as helping these kids. Cause I don't think they know. Right. Yeah. I think it's just, it's hard to see the forest through the trees. Um, a lot of times, and Hey, listen, when you got kids, especially if you have kids that come from, uh, you know, maybe another club or they come from a, a recreational league, they think their effort that they've, that they're used to giving is good enough. And then they get here to mockingbird and all of a sudden it's, it's not, it's, you know, 60% compared to, you know, uh, one of, one of the, one of the kids who's been in the club for years and years, it's 60% compared to their, their hundred percent. So yeah, that's, that's a good call on that. So would these cameras by chance be the VO cameras? VO, yeah. uh, How it's pronounced. uh, You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, so it's uh, awesome. You know, I, I think awesome. that's the one we're looking at primarily right now. Uh, it seems, seems to have a pretty good uh, reputation. Okay. And I know cool. Kentucky Youth Soccer's got a, you know, you can get a discount on as far as being an association member to be able to get out, you know, to buy one. Wow. Okay. Chris, go ahead and fire another question. Okay, yeah, on. you know, you mentioned high school earlier, so I guess we should, you know, if you want to get it in the high school and club debate, uh, you know, basically, do you ever see a way that those two could work together, help one another out? Well, um, I, th- I think they need to work together. The, the you know, I, I think the, the thing that concerns me the most is there's, uh, you know, a, a factor where players can get hurt if they overtrain. So when, when you, you – good right. examples are when you have a high school team and a club organization working together you can talk about okay well this is our schedule this is how many trainings we have how many games we have here's the amount of rest that the players get in this time all right and then as you hand off the 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 club team to the high school team or the high school team to the club team you know have we have we worked together to make sure that we haven't over over or under trained the players that's the key thing if we've overtrained the players, there's a possibility of right. injury. If we undertrain the pl- players, there's a possibility of also injury. So if they can work together, there's a, there's a there's a there's a great possibility that these players could stay healthy all year long. And and I and I haven't I have some examples of you know sometimes how that works, but there's other more probably more examples than not where they don't work together. So there, there's issues. Yeah, I, I think that, Mike, honestly, uh, later on this summer, I think I'm going to try. And Derek Willis hosted a webinar um, last summer that I sat in on, which was a great discussion. I think one of the things I'm going to try and do this summer, I'm going to try and uh, rally some of our high school coaches together and, and um, have conversations and just to, and just say, hey, guys, how can, we, you know, how can we work with our club coaches? How can we bridge the gap here in Kentucky? Um, to where you know yes. everybody's more on the same page, and so where Mike, you're right. Where if we're train, if high schools starting up their training in July, um, how can we avoid mm-hmm. conflicts between the high school and the clubs there? And, but at the same time, I mean, you got plenty of clubs that that are yeah. still going to tournaments in July, going to showcases and everything. And and as a high school coach, you know, or from when I coached high school, you know, if I had a kid um, telling me, Coach, I've uh, you know yeah. I've got a, a showcase on Saturday, you know, I, I no, I no, I mean, and the reality is not to go, you know, you're I mean, doing, again, 
you're working with youth player to get, provide, help pro- provide them opportunities to, you know, play after high school. I mean, I always tell the coaches I work with is I said, right. you're, you're coaching these players to prepare them for them to be coached by somebody else, you know, so that's what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and if you're not doing that, then that that's a problem. If you're only coaching them for yourself exclusively, then, then that's very selfish. So it's, it's providing other opportunities. So, but right. again, you have to, you know, like if you're coaching high school and you know, a kid's going to be going to a showcase in two days, do you have them train at this same intensity level as the other high school athletes at the same time? Or do you start to figure out a way to help them taper off so that they can play at their max capacity when they do go to the showcase? And I think that's where the, that's that's where the disconnect is, is that right. you just keep training them like all the other kids. And then, of course, yeah. they're, they're youth players. They want to play on their school team. So they want to do everything to make you happy. Uh, but the problem is, is they'll do that. And then they'll mm-hmm. want to getting themselves hurt because their bodies are going to be pretty beat up going into a big event where they may have to play 70 or 80 minutes about at an extremely high level. So that, that there's a problem. You know, so we have to figure right. out a way. How do we manage our schedule? I I joke right. about this, but I I, I swear that uh, that the the guys that that raise and train these these thoroughbred horses in the state of Kentucky do a better job of managing those athletes, mm-hmm. those horses that are athletes, than we do it with youth human beings, soccer players. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. I, I mean, when you talk about you're, after the Kentucky right Derby, money, you go, so. well, I don't know if it's, you know, if it, they're going to have enough time to recover before they get to Baltimore to, to run. And you go, wow, isn't that three weeks? Right. <laughs> so so we, we could turn around and play, you know, yeah. three or four games in one week in a soccer game, you know, in, in the high school scene. And you look at that yeah. and you go, that's a recipe for right. injury. Yeah, uh, Chris. Chris likes to give me a hard way to go about my last season coaching high school. Chris, tell him, tell Mike how many how many games oh, did I gosh. schedule? Gosh, well, I mean, year? I think he ended up playing. What was it? He finished. Well, we went. Yeah, to, we well, went I the mean, full like twenty-one. Three games this, back to back each week. It seemed like three. It, yeah, it, it was bad. I was trying to do too, accomplish too much in too little time. Uh, and Mike, you know, we ended up at the end of the season. Um, we had a disappointing loss in the regional and, uh, you know, we also had two or three kids that were hobbled and I just know looking back on it, knowing what I know now, looking back on it, there's no question that that oh, was yeah. from just the 100%, grind of that September and, and if August you had were, more, you know, if you no had question. more of the, the coaches yeah. that working in the high school uh, field right now that were doing, they would learn more about periodization of training and so on. If you had more of them doing that, they would probably go back to their ads and say, you know what, um, we need to cut some games out of our schedule because we've got way too many. And already, you know, if you look yeah. at American football, yeah. what what is their what is their their uh, work to re- you know to rest to training, you know, to games, you know, you, you look at that and you go, okay, well they play a game right. on the weekend and then they train for five days. So and and I and I would argue that yeah that yeah. Uh, soccer. Uh, can have as much, if not more, wear and tear on your, you know, your ligaments, tendons, bones, you know, as a result of all the change of direction, high acceleration, mm-hmm. deceleration, you know, all these factors that come into play. And we don't, we, right. we, we almost have soccer in the same rhythm that maybe that the volleyball teams are playing in, which isn't, it's not logical to me. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Soccer for whatever, you know, and I, I'm, if I ever go back to high school, um, one of these days, um, I, I don't, I don't see myself scheduling more than 16 games. I really don't. Um, I just, uh, there's just number one, I mean, on the high school level, yeah. you, you want, also want your kids to do well in the classroom and it's really hard to do that, pull that off with, with 21 games, but also, um, the 16 games tends to, uh, you know, 16 games is, allows you to space it out yeah. and everything. I, I will never do 20, a full 21 yeah, again uh, on the high school scene. But, I mean, I There's think you no could way. pull off 21. It's just how you schedule, I guess. 
Well, the the idea, Chris, would be to schedule sixteen and then yeah. be at number twenty five. But, but the issue is not the number tournament. of games. It's <laughs> you know, <laughs> wh- how many practices do you want to have? How much preparation and training do you want right. to have? If there's not that, that, then there's no development. And at the end of the day, if you're coaching a high school athlete, you know, there is a high level of, you know, learning how to play. Uh, Number one, learning how to play for sure. And then uh, then learning how to win, you know, and if you don't if you don't have time to practice that. Right. uh, Then you're just hoping that you have a good collection of athletes that can stay healthy for x number of months you know and and right. you know and and you know I, that's right. the most frustrating comment i've heard from high school coaches is that you know and college coaches that i don't really have a lot of chance to prepare or develop my players i'm just reacting to the next game you know so that in, in at what point are we going to yeah. sit down and say well we need to spend more time on developing and teaching them so that they can perform at their optimal level Right, right. You know, I really do. Yeah, that's a great point because I, I, I'm of the belief. I really do believe we have some good coaches on the high school side here in Kentucky that, um, right, schedule their, you know, they get, they paint themselves into a corner with their schedule. And you're absolutely right. And they don't give them, they don't give themselves an opportunity to develop their players because, they want to schedule the full 21 games. They want to go to two JV tournaments and two varsity tournaments and the bluegrass games. And, um, you know, it's almost a law for some programs that they have to play on Saturdays and everything. And I mean, I'm just like, give the kids a break, (laughs) give them a rest. So, um, you're you're right on the money there. So, okay. Chris, go ahead and fire one more question. Oh gosh. Well, that was my last question. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Anything you have to so, say, or well, you know, uh, we get off. Go ahead. Anything that Mockingbird has coming up, or well, let's see with the club. Like um, uh, you know, we're kind of running into that point where we're getting into the the spring break period. So that's always interesting because you got some kids that are going to travel and go somewhere. A bunch of kids that are going to stay home. So now we've got to still look at it. Go. Let's the kids that are home. Let's train. You know. So we'll do some stuff. You know, right. during their break. And then there were just really prepping for several different things. One is the continuation of our league games that are going on. We still have some tournaments and showcases that are in front of us um, in the latter uh, part of March, April. And then ultimately we're going to run into pretty soon into the state championships, state cup, you know, president's cup. So where our teams will be able to, you know, compete against the other top teams in the state with the, with the with with the winner going on to represent Kentucky at the regional events, so that's an exciting time for us. Um, so we're kind of prepping for that, and then you know, and then of course you know because we're in the club soccer world, we're always thinking about what's next. So uh, we got to get ready for tryouts, which will happen at the end of May, you know, you know sometime in wow. June. So that's when that's a reboot moment. So you're looking at the guys that and the girls that have you know that are still into it and they really want to want to still compete and then and then then we can audition uh some of the new competitors the ones that want to join our club and uh, be with us next year so it just never stops you just keep going and but it's exciting to look at that as well because you know you, you could have some potentially some more great talent coming to the club we had we added a lot of kids in the winter this year uh, a lot of kids wanted to come out and play so we've added some good top talent and you know a lot of our age groups this winter, so that we're 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 super excited about the new guys and girls and and then tryouts coming up and then in the summer just doing some prep stuff and some camps perhaps and different things to you know get our kids ready for next year or for the the fall season. Yeah, do you all do football? Uh, we do. Uh, it was a little bit muffled this year because of COVID. So you know, typically we played in the league, you know, but we did a lot of our own own special events some of it was internally some of it was externally with some of our our affiliate clubs that we work with uh where we played a lot of futsal small-sided games basically and then uh we've got some teams that jump out and compete in cincinnati and different places to play in some futsal so you see our kids playing that it's a hybrid of the game it's slightly different so um but it but it's 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 competitive it's allows them to touch the ball with their feet and and play and you know 
and uh, it's a little more intimate because it's real close, you know, five against five, and fans are pretty close by. So maybe that's why they didn't have the the futsal league this year because it was just too many people right. close. I'd like to see one of those one time. I've never actually seen a football yeah. game. I've heard. Oh, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it on watch that's it on YouTube shit. first. You know, let the pros watch them a little bit because I think you can see it. You know, really what it can really flow and look like. Uh, there's a lot of patterns based out of it, a lot of pattern and movement. Um, it does eliminate the goalkeeper a little bit, you know, once that goalkeeper plays the ball forward. Uh, so it becomes like a four versus right. five game. So it's slightly different, but uh, it's fun. The kids the kids seem to enjoy it. Um, it's not supposed to be as physical. The fouls are supposed to be called a little bit tighter. You know, hopefully that happens because, you know, you get, kids could get hurt on playing on those hard floors with some of the hard hits. So, uh, but it's, it's fun. A lot of artistry, the way they receive the ball is slightly different. Um, and if you watch some of the Brazilian players and you watch some of those guys that play there, you can see what the way they receive the ball is similar to guys that have grown playing up in the futsal world, but the Brazilians will play that small sided game for a really long time, much longer than we do, which is very smart, you know, on their part. Right. Do you think there's like more tension with the players with futsal, like you know, maybe more cards as compared to like a it's not supposed game. to be because they they're supposed to call the fouls a little tighter. Oh. Yeah, so it's supposed to be it's supposed to be better. It's it's more artistry. You have to be careful in there because it's not like the walls. The when you go in indoors at Mockingbird where adults play and where in our arena, you know, it has the walls so that can get kind of hockeyish, ice hockeyish a little bit uh, with the right. hits. And but futsal is you know because the lines it, and it's a heavier ball. You see a lot more, you know, trickery and, you know, little artistry, less, less flying around, smashing into people. It's, it's, uh, you know, right. it's, it's the ball's moving really, really fast. So it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun. If you haven't played it before, you should try it. It's, it's a fun game to play. I, I enjoy playing with the kids when we get in and play futsal. It really helps your first touch playing yeah. with that uh, heavy ball, by the way. I'm not, I'm not athletic in any way, so I don't think I'll be playing that but I, I will for sure try to watch one of those yeah for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah find it on youtube a lot the of Brazilian leagues are, are man I have their own so the the federations have their own team for futsal you can you can watch you that. can watch that as well you know spain has their own separate team of futsal at their their uh their national training center in madrid and uh, and the, none of those guys play on the outdoor team. They're all the futsal team, you know. And that's how it works. But it's it's okay. pretty cool. It's the, the the arenas are really nice. When I was in Jordan, you know, Jordan had their own futsal team, and I know U.S. soccer has its own futsal team. So, hmm. yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a fun game, different, but you know, it's uh, still fun. Sure. They, they enjoy it. I just you know I, I never realized. I guess club never stops. I just. Never realized that you just keep going. Yeah, you keep playing. I mean, there's a break in the summer. You know, in the summertime, you, you you really should try to give the 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 kids a break. The problem is, is the ones that are playing in the high school scene. They go from that. That that's my only concern with the high school age players is they never get a break because they they can transition from playing club and going right into a preseason. Right. Which I'm thinking, well, why do they need a preseason if they are not in a preseason? They're they were in a season, so they just should have they should have some time time to recover and then rejoin the guys that need a preseason. Gotcha. So so Jay wins your break then. Right. When do you go start right. playing? Oh, Dude, I don't get a break. Um, <laughs> no, I mean something? um Yeah, well I mean we're up in um I, I, uh, our last game for Mockingbird right now is scheduled for May 29th. I think that's Memorial Day Saturday. And then the next week, we're right back at it. I believe it's two weeks after that. But you'll be um, uh, you're eligible. You know, we've got for tryouts at Mockingbird, and so it's um, yeah. yeah, we'll be playing at that yeah, point. So that's in uh, the, the that's real, in, in, in middle reality of May, isn't is, it? is you know if you if let's say you go to Presidents Cup and you win the Presidents Cup, then your team now is still alive again to go play at the regional event. Right. Huh. Yeah. Uh, okay, well that 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 that'd be fun. So, um, so yeah, wow. I mean, Chris, it could go all the way into June. Um, uh, it could de- way, well into June. So, and then, 
Well, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, there's, there's not going to, my break is coming at the end of June. I'm going to St. Augustine <laughs> and there's a good chance I'm turning the phone off. So, <laughs> so that's the plan at least. But, um, yeah, that's, um, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to be doing what I'm doing. It's, uh, it's a good kind of busy. So anyway, well, Mike, yeah. uh, I, man, I can't tell right, you how much I appreciate you joining us tonight. Um, um, you know, always, always fun talking soccer with you and everything. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm sure I'll see you out at the fields next week and, uh, we're, we're going to go two nights next week. I got some kids out of town, but we're going to go ahead and go two nights and then, um, trying to, uh, trying to fix our second half woes and then you know we'll start good. on that process next week well, so good well thanks um, for having me on it's good talking to yeah, you guys no, Chris, best i'm looking of luck forward to, you. to it so oh thank you all right you guys have a good night thanks mike good we day. appreciate it all right you too okay well chris it's starting to rain now oh, is it? so i'm worried There's your no wi-fi windows is gonna down go here out. i can't tell so okay Okay. All right. Well, well, let's go ahead and close it out for the night. Uh, next week, yes. I think uh, uh, we're going to have Robin let, Pryor let's try to do that on, Thursday and she's night. going to uh, game on Tuesday. So if Thursday works, that'll, that'll be fine. Uh, but she's going to come on and give us a Louisville City and a Racing Louisville Primer, getting us ready for that, uh, for that season to start up, and I'm excited. And then uh, we're going to talk some WrestleMania. So yeah, I'll um, try to hold next week's gonna be fun. How many WrestleManias you've been to? So <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've got stories. <laughs> so anyway, all right, Chris. Well, great job tonight. You were excellent asking questions to Mike, and um, you know, um, yeah. you know, keep keep that up. Those are good questions. So all right, we're.